Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Root and Roots Show on blogtalkradio.com. Now here's your host, Greg Rashid, bringing you the best in music, information, and history. Well, I want to say good evening to everyone out there. This is Greg Rashid, the host of the Root and Roots Show, as Janine just said. Heard Friday at 6 p.m. live Eastern Standard Time. And Saturday live at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But the majority of my listeners listen via social media, various uh, aspects of it, be it iTunes, on blogtalkradio.com, or also on KUHSDenverRadio.com, Internet Radio in Colorado. Thanks to my buddy Henry Archuleta. I'm on there on Saturday. So you'll hear this show. If you're listening on Saturday, you'll hear it's Saturday. It gets confusing with me sometimes. And then we're on Wednesdays, too. But I hope you join in because we're going to have a wonderful show tonight, as we usually do. And you can call in at 424-675-8315, 424-675-8315. And we lost one of the giants of music the past week and the great Alan Toussaint. And I'm going to be doing a musical tribute to him during, you know, after I interview my first guest. But right now we're going to start it off by playing Alan Toussaint. He's singing Out of the City into the Country. So let's hear that on the Root and Root Show.
That was Alan Toussaint there, and that's the uh, song Out of the City, Into the Country, on the Root and Root Show. I hope you enjoyed that. And after we interview my first guest here, I'm going to be doing a whole tribute, about over an hour tribute to the great Alan Toussaint, who passed earlier this week. Uh, after a performance in Switzerland, amazing. He, you know, was doing what he loved the best, and he passed after that. And that's just something. So we're going to get to music by him a little later in the program. But right now, I'm going to have our first guest on here. And you can call in at 424-675-8315, 424 to talk to our first guest here. And it's really something because um, my first guest, uh, when I put this on social media that I was going to interview Harlow Gills uh, Unger about the new book he wrote uh, Henry Clay, America's Greatest Statesman. I got a lot of folks that just wrote me back who were really interested in, you know, hearing him, and I know they're listening right now, and they're really fascinated, which really surprised me, about Henry Clay. So I'm just happy to have uh, Harlow Unger on the program right now. Are there, Harlow? Yes, indeed. Oh, I'm just happy to have you on. And you've written a, I feel, a great book about Henry Clay, because, frankly, I didn't know much about Henry Clay. I had never really read anything. I knew little, a little bit about it, but not like what you get into. But I had a number of folks who were historians also who were writing me on social media, wanted to know if the book was different than some of the other books about him out there, since I hadn't read anything. They mentioned, I think there's an author last name Davis. I have no idea, but this is the first book in an awfully long time about Henry Clay. Uh, whom I call America, America's greatest statesman, and uh, it, for good reasons, uh, we are going through, we have gone through a crisis uh, recently in which uh, uh, the Speaker of the House, John Boehner, had to resign and was replaced by Paul Ryan, and we don't know what Paul Ryan is now going to do. Uh, we can only pray that he will be as great a speaker as Henry Clay who really organized the Congress, turned the Congress and the House of Representatives into the institution uh, we did have uh, until a few years ago. Uh, the Speaker of the House uh, is and was the second most powerful man in the federal government, the only man other and that, than and the and president. And that's a, mm-hmm. and that's a fact only, that a lot of people don't know. I mean, they don't realize that. Well, I realize that, and uh, that's what I'm trying to to to, to explain, is that uh, the Speaker of the House is the only uh, official in the federal government other than the president who is elected by all the people of the United States. Uh, the House of Representatives represents all of the people of the United States, and uh, the, the Speaker is called the elect of the elect. Uh, he is not elected by his own party. He is nominated by his party, uh, which usually is the majority party, but he is elected by all of the members of the House and therefore represents all of the American people. He is the head of the legislative branch, which uh, proposes and designs and ultimately passes the laws unlike the executive branch headed by the president who uh, right. puts the laws into effect and and, and enforces them. Uh, Henry Clay uh, went into the House of Representatives 
as a young man uh, coming from the frontier in Kentucky and found bedlam there. Uh, uh, Philip Derringer had just invented a pistol with one bullet in it, and everybody in Congress had, had one in his pocket. And they would fire at each other. They'd fight on the floor. They'd wrestle on the floor. They'd beat each other up, uh, go outside and, and have duels and shoot each other. Uh, it was bedlam. Uh, they were not uh, acting like uh, the uh, the elected representatives of the American people. And he brought order to the House and instituted the rules of the House of Representatives. Uh, the Speaker of the House names the uh, chairman of each committee, uh, chair, chair people now we say, uh, and uh, de- decides which laws which proposed laws will come to the floor for a vote, who can speak for, who can speak against, uh, who can't speak at all, <laughs> and how long they can speak. Uh, so he right. really determines, he, he brought order to the House of Representatives, and over the 50 years that he was in Congress, uh, he saw to it that Americans from all over the country uh, worked together, and he worked out, five great compromises that brought all of the people of the United States together. Remember, this this nation was founded and built on compromise. The Declaration of Independence was a compromise. Half the people who signed it uh, wanted autonomy, not independence. They wanted to stay British. Uh, The Constitution was a compromise between slave states and free states, big states and little states, rural interests and urban interests. And once the national government assumed power, its survival over the next 60 years hinged on five major compromises worked out by one man, the man I call America's greatest statesman, and my new book on Henry Clay. Uh, Americans in his day called him the great compromiser because his compromises helped save our nation from disintegration in the years that led up to civil war. Uh, and compromise, which is looked down, frowned upon now by uh, these Tea Party people, well, uh, they, they talk like fascists and communists. Either we do it their way or they're going to shut down Congress. That's not the American way. The American way right. is compromise. That it, it takes intelligent, thoughtful, careful people to realize that the interests of different parts of our nation uh, are, are, differ from each other sometimes are in conflict. And the great statesmen like Henry Clay bring us all together as a nation. Uh, they fight and save our union. You know, and it's so funny. Um, and listeners, you can call in at 424 I'm talking with uh, Harlow Unger, the author of the book, Henry Clay, America's Greatest Statesman, on the Capitol Press. Now, one thing that people don't realize, and I have kind of forgotten this until I was reading your book, is that during that time, during the period prior to Henry Clay after getting in office, and he was still in office, that people didn't call themselves Americans or consider themselves part of the United States. They considered themselves wherever they lived, if it was in Georgia, Virginia, exactly. et cetera. Uh, talk talk a little ask, more about that. Well, if you ask someone what what country he came from, he would say uh, Georgia, New York, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Virginia. And that's because the only way to travel was on horseback. It was very, very difficult to go far from your home to travel in this country. And Henry Clay, over the 50 years of his uh, compromises, 
uh, was by keeping the nation together, he was able to institute what he called uh, the American system, which was probably the greatest economic and social uh, development scheme in the history of the world, if not certainly the history of this nation. Uh, he uh, set up a system in which he brought these feuding state governments together with the federal government. They were all fighting each other to work together to build a national network of roads and canals and eventually railroads that linked all the states who loved the Union, linked them together. And 20 states, by the time he was finished, 20 states in the north, uh, stretching from Maine to California, were linked by this system. Suddenly, farmers, uh, settlers could move anywhere across state lines, uh, uh, set up farms, set up businesses, set up banks. They could buy and sell across state lines. So they had clients across state lines. They had suppliers across state lines. And they had relatives across the state lines where, uh, in the states they had left. Now they suddenly realized they were all Americans, and they were not going to let a bunch of plantation owners in the South uh, break up this, this union. This union now became important as an economic, a financial, and a social uh, unit. Uh, everybody had relatives in other states in the North. Everybody had banks in other states. Everybody had clients and, and suppliers in other states. And to break that up was unthinkable. They were growing rich. It was becoming the most prosperous nation on earth, stretching from sea to shining sea. And a bunch of, of baronial, feudal uh, plantation owners in the South wanted to break it up. Well, uh, now, after 50 years of that, after 50 years of the American system, uh, the members of the Union were not going to let that happen, and that's why they fought the Civil War. Uh, it had nothing to do with slavery, and... Uh, 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 Lincoln was the first to say, save it. It is uh, uh, my paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union. Those are Lincoln's words. It is not either to save or destroy slavery. If I could save the Union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. And if I could do, do it by freeing some of the slaves and not and, and and leaving the others in slavery, I would do that too. Uh, this has nothing to do with slavery. It has to do with preservation of the Union. And I, those words, mm -hmm. he said, all my views, I can express them all by quoting Henry Clay. Uh, Henry Clay was his mentor, his teacher. He worshipped uh, Henry Clay, loved Henry Clay, and Henry Clay uh, taught him uh, the importance of the Union. Uh, when when uh, Clay died, Lincoln gave the eulogy for Henry Clay, and he, he looked up to heaven and cocked his ear, and he said, I recognize Clay's voice speaking as it ever spoke for the Union, for the Constitution, for the freedom of man. You know, but the other, you know, I have to um, respectfully disagree in the sense that the the issue at the time, even though this is what Lincoln said, and you know Henry Clay was talking about preserving the Union. The issue was slavery. It was on everyone's tip of their tongues. No, no one no, it was No, it, no, it wasn't. There was slavery in the North. There was slavery oh, yeah. Still, oh, yeah. in, oh, yeah. in the North. It wasn't was not on the tip of every tongue. It's been on the tip of every uh, uh, quasi historian that wants to make a big deal out of it, and it was a big deal. I'm not trying to uh, make it not a big deal, but it was a big deal economically. 
because the Southerners were producing cotton and producing other goods with slave labor, and they were able to dump their, their, uh, all their goods, cheap goods, on the market. In the North, where workers were paid by the peace, they just couldn't compete. And uh, again, there was a great compromise worked out by Henry Clay in 1833 uh, called the Great Tariff Compromise, uh, in which he got the Southerners to uh, raise the prices of some of their uh, cheap goods made by slave labor, and he got the northern states to reduce the tariffs on, on, uh, on southern goods. Uh, so they stayed together for another few years until the next compromise. But you know, in uh, your sla slavery, slavery was not the big issue. It was for some people. You had a large group of Quakers and abolitionists in the North, uh, and a, a large people, a large number of people, including Henry Clay, and stretching back to George Washington, who were against slavery. They were abolitionists, but they weren't willing to go to war for it. They weren't willing to die for it. Uh, no, but the thing is, there were many laws at that time to keep the institution of slavery in existence. Absolutely. And that's why I and say that, that slavery was the main topic of the era. It, that it, it was, was on the The main the conflict era. was over was over trade and 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 union. That was the main com conflict. Uh slavery was secondary. It was a moral issue uh which uh a lot of people who were morally against slavery uh, were not willing to fight and die to to abolish it. And what you just mentioned about uh, Henry Clay, that he, you know, he was a person who was very compassionate about, you know, the enslaved Africans on the one hand, but he had slaves, as did yes. George Washington. And, and talk a little more about that. As did Thomas Jefferson, as did James Madison, oh, yeah. as did all the founding fathers. Everybody had slaves. This was a, a terrible, terrible institution. They all hated it. They were against it morally, and but they, there was nothing they could do about it. They had inherited it. They didn't invent slavery. It started at the beginning of the 18th century uh, when Queen Anne, uh, England was the primary source of income for England was the slave trade. All the slaves at that time were going into the Caribbean, to the so-called sugar islands, because sugar cane can be picked and harvested, planted or harvested by unskilled labor. So they used slaves. Now suddenly the sugar, the, the sugar islands became glutted with slaves. There were too many of them. And Queen Anne started dumping them into Virginia to the tobacco plantations. In, in 1715... Long before the Founding Fathers were born, 1715, the Virginia plant, tobacco planters of Virginia and the leading people, uh, 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 leaders of Virginia got together and sent a petition to Queen Anne asking her to stop sending slaves. They were a burden on society. They couldn't speak English. Uh, they were unskilled. There was no way the planters could use them on tobacco plantations to pick tobacco, to uh, planting, harvesting, and treating tobacco needs skilled labor. It's not like sugarcane or cotton. Uh, by the time the founding fathers were born, however, they were a fact of life. They were all over the place. Uh, there were hundreds of thousands of them now. At the beginning of the century, there were only 15,000. At the end, by the, by the time the founding fathers were born, you're talking about several hundred thousand, 
and they were still a huge burden. George Washington had over 300 slaves, and he complained one-third are babies. I can't, what, I, what am I going to do, uh, 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 emancipate them? They can't go anywhere. One-third were elderly, crippled, uh, who couldn't work. So only one-third of the slaves, he had to support two-thirds of them who were doing nothing, feed them, clothe them, house them. One-third was, was able to work. So George Washington, being uh, the guy he was, uh, trained those slaves. He taught, uh, had skilled workers come in and teach them carpentry and uh, uh, other skills so that they could earn a living. But under Virginia law and under uh, Kentucky law, uh, that Henry Clay, Henry Clay living in Kentucky, under state laws, anyone who freed a slave was charged with a felony and would go to jail. You could not legally free your slaves. So this is what they faced. Uh, but the even federal government they could only that. do so much. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I have to respectfully disagree again because the federal government can do as much as it no, has to No, it could do. not. Not at that time. Not at that time. Don't use today's uh, uh, well, I'm not. No, to, I'm going... Yes, you're talking about today's federal government. Federal government had very little power, and it could not do that. The first uh, time it, it began to exercise some power is when uh, South Carolina fired on us and, and in effect, uh, committed treason by uh, declaring itself independent. And so now the Union went to war, and when the Union forces won, now the president could act uh, because he was commander-in-chief of the armed forces, and this was a wartime situation with martial law in which he could uh, make the, uh, uh, the, declare the Emancipation Proclamation. But prior to that, it would have been illegal and unconstitutional. And is that why when Thomas Jefferson put, originally put in the Declaration of Independence, the little piece about the unjust uh, cause well, you're of saying he wrote Africans. The, he, first of all, he didn't write the Declaration of Independence. That's a he lot of nonsense. Okay. He, okay. he rewrote it and helped write it right. and put it in a good language. But it was written by a group of five uh, members of the Continental Congress, including John Adams. John Adams had more input than Thomas Jefferson, uh, 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 Governor Morris, and several others. But Thomas Jefferson did not write the Declaration of Independence. That's 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 nonsense. He had the you know he had the uh, final say in a sense. I mean, along with the no, he did not the, have the final say. The, con the Congress well, I had say the that, final say. Right, right. But he put in there a little clause about ending slavery that was taken out. Do you have you read that? A lot of things were taken out. Right. That 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 that's immaterial. Uh, the Declaration well, of Independence. No. The Declaration of Independence was not law, and it is not law today. It 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 it, it, it simply declared independence that we are separating ourselves from Britain. It had nothing to do with government. Nothing to do with laws. But it led to the creation of the Don't confuse the, the Declaration of Independence right. with the Constitution. Oh, no, 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 I'm not doing that. But I want to get back to what you were saying earlier, because this is very important. 
even though they took that out of the Declaration of Independence, was was not law, it tells you that they were thinking about the issue of slavery. Of course they did. But they yeah, would not but, get you know, they would not get that, the southern states, they would not get the southern provinces, they were called then, to to right. go to war with them and agree to independence unless they compromised. And they did. That's right. That's, well, I agree with I that. said this this nation was founded and built on compromise. And that's what Tea Party people today, today don't seem to understand. They're saying we'll play well, football look. with you as long as we win. Otherwise the yeah, game is called. Right. And that brings us back to uh, I want to talk about one of the compromises, the uh, Missouri Compromise, 1850. The, again, the South led by South Carolina, <laughs> always South mm-hmm. Carolina. You know, one of the leading members of the of the House Freedom Caucus, the Tea Party crazies, is led by Rick Mul- Mulvaney. Guess where? South Carolina, right. which fi- fired yeah, right. the first shot. Uh, uh, the Missouri Compromise, uh, Missouri was part of the Louisiana Purchase. It was a territory, and um, because of its uh, ge- geography, uh, most of the, many, many, uh, the vast majority of settlers were Southerners who moved into Missouri with slaves. Now it wanted to come into the Union. It applied for, it had enough population to apply for statehood. It applied for statehood, and it was going to come in as a slave state. Well, that would have thrown the balance of power in the Senate and House to the slave states. And with that majority, they would have passed a law making slavery legal in the entire Union. Well, the Northerners were not going to permit that. So they they threatened to separate. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, Henry Clay, uh, always fighting for Union, always thinking of Union. How do we keep the Union together? Because he wanted to build this nation into this this huge empire stretching from sea to shining sea with roads and canals and, and transportation and great commerce. He wanted to make it the most prosperous nation on earth. He couldn't do that if the nation, if the nation divided into three little nations, the South, uh, the North, and the Central States. Uh, they would have been overrun by the great powers right. of the world at the time. So he came up with a compromise. He knew that Maine wanted to separate from Massachusetts, and Massachusetts didn't care. Uh, Maine was a wilderness. So the compromise was that Maine and Missouri would come in together as two new states with no restrictions on either one. One would come in as a slave state, the other as a free state, and the balance of power would, the, the, the neutrality in Congress would remain so that neither right. the slave states nor the free soil states had a majority. And that held the Union together uh, for another decade until uh, 17, uh, 1833 when uh, we had the tariff conflict, which we already discussed. Right. Talk, also talk about, too, the whole issue of Texas at that time. Well, that was a bit later on. It's another compromise. Yeah. Yes, that was another compromise. Texas, uh, Texas by itself, un, uh, unrelated to the United States, rebelled against Mexican rule. Uh, a lot of Americans had migrated into Texas. Uh, it was so far north the Mexicans didn't control their borders, and more and more uh, Americans moved into Texas. They set up cattle ranches, and lo, soon they had a majority. And they didn't like being ruled by uh, this uh, Spanish-speaking government down in Mexico City. So they declared independence. Uh, 
and uh, wanted to, and, and uh, of course, Mexicans sent an army up there. The, the Texans defeated them, and now they wanted, Texan, Texas wanted to join the United States. Well, that would have been a slave state. Uh, all these cattle ranchers were from the south, uh, a lot from Tennessee and uh, Kentucky, by the way. Uh, but they, 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 they all they all had slaves, and it would have been a slave right. state. And again, the majority would have been broken. Well, now we've got a, 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 another uh, crisis. Uh, the South wants Texas to join. Uh, the North doesn't. Uh, the, the Union is ready to split in par, apart. Uh, in comes Henry Clay to find, find a compromise. <laughs> and what he did was absolutely remarkable. Uh, he refused to recognize... Uh, oh, and there was another factor involved here. If he recognized Texas independence, or if he, worse than that, if he uh, admitted Texas into the United States, Mexico would have declared war, and we were not ready for a war. So he he studies the situation, he comes up with a compromise. He's not going to recognize Texas independence. He's going to do nothing. But he's not going to close the borders to Texas. So Texans can come and go as they please. They can trade with everybody in the United States. They can do everything that any state can do, except they're not a state. So he avoids uh, provoking the Mexicans, and he avoids a split between the North and the South. And it and it and it worked. Uh, and it wasn't until the Mexican War uh, that uh, right. finally uh, uh, things changed. Then, but but from from the time of that uh, Texas Compromise. Uh, until the next crisis, uh, uh, the the union held fast. And meanwhile, as the union held fast, the American system was growing. More and more roads were being built. More and more trade was going across state lines across the country. More and more of our of our goods from the central part of the country were traveling across the Appalachians. In the old days, they couldn't get across the Appalachians. Now, with the American system, they could go uh, via canals, via roads, and get over the Appalachians, get to the uh, to our uh, Atlantic ports, and go overseas. We were becoming the greatest trading nation on earth. The prosperity was incredible in the North. And, and a lot of that was based, I have to get back to it, due to the institution of slavery. And what is your question? No, I just said that a lot of that was due to the institution of slavery. No, it wasn't. It not in the North. Not in the North. Okay. Uh, the North was developing now, with, uh, in some areas with slavery, but not the, the major enterprises now. New England was becoming a te- great textile center, and that was all uh-huh. the piece, uh, p- p- uh, labors, labors paid by the peace. Now, there was a growing problem in the North uh, with freed slaves. Uh, the prejudice against them was terrible. Uh, they couldn't get jobs. Uh, they couldn't go to school. They, I mean, it, it, it was the worst kind of segregation imaginable it was uh, uh, they were uh, in worse poverty than they had been as slaves because now they were struggling to get enough to eat to get work of any kind to get paid uh and again henry clay stepped in the situation and helped to organize the american colonization society which was designed uh to uh, help uh, the freed black slaves uh to 
uh, first of all, get get uh, on their feet here uh, over a three-year period, helped by the Colonization Society. And meanwhile, the Colonization Society bought land in, in West Africa. Uh, it's now called Liberia. And it's, uh, the capital is named Monrovia, after James Monroe, who was the mm-hmm. president yeah. at, the t- at the time they founded uh, the Colonization Society. And this was uh, designed to buy land and uh, help these uh, freed slaves uh, go over to uh, that area, uh, get land of their own. Uh, the Colonization Society would pay for it and help set them up uh, uh, to farm land. Uh, it, it was fairly successful, but limited success, because uh, the, the slaves in America had been here for uh, quite a few generations. They no longer they spoke... the country. Uh, well, they no longer spoke uh, the language. Right. Uh, of of uh, the, the African areas uh, where they w- were expected to settle, right. but uh, 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 I, I don't want to use adjectives because adjectives don't mean a, a significant number. Not in, not significant in terms of of the number of slaves in America, but a significant number in uh, uh, somewhere between uh, forty and sixty thousand uh, freed blacks. Uh, eventually migrated to Liberia and set up a country, which uh, in, uh, over the years, of course, uh, created more problems over there because they considered themselves <laughs> Westerners now, <laughs> as opposed to the natives there. Uh, right, and, and that's a whole different story. They, 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 yeah, they set up a class a society of right. their own, which shows right. what hu- human beings really are. Now, I want to talk, you know, we're getting ready to conclude this, but, um, you know, Henry Clay ran four times for president. Right. Great uh, statesman. Not, and t- not because, unlike, unlike many uh, candidates, he was not running because of self-aggrandizement. He was not trying to become president because he wanted to rule a nation. He was trying to become president because the American system, uh, implementation of the American system, was running into roadblocks uh, in the White House, in in Congress, the federal government uh, really didn't want to get involved in building roads across states. They thought that was a violation of the uh, of the Tenth Amendment, uh, building roads and canals and everything. That the states should do it. Well, the states couldn't do it, and Henry Clay knew it, and he felt if he could become president, he could edge the federal government into making greater contributions towards this American system. That was his primary goal. And, the thing, you know, I want to ask you one more thing about the American system itself, because one thing we didn't talk about, you do mention in the book about the role of Native Americans, because as the system is growing, Native Americans are being pushed away. And talk about Henry Clay as far as uh, what he thought about Native Americans at the time as far as their role in the American system. Uh, they had already been pushed away uh, by the time by the time they were building by the time uh, the, the first great uh, step in the American system was to cross the Appalachians. Uh, right. A lot of a lot of farmers had moved west of the Appalachians into western Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, those areas and and grain grew like weeds. It was so easy to grow grain. It was it was incredible. They were producing grain, but they had no way to get it back. They couldn't go down the Mississippi because Spain controlled the Mississippi. Uh, 
so they wanted to, they had to get to the Atlantic ports, and there was no way to get across. You couldn't you couldn't ship grain in bulk, uh, in on carts, and get across the Appalachians. All there were were these tra- mountain trails, so they started distilling their grain into whiskey, white lightning, and that they could put into uh, jugs and barrels and things, put on on muleback, get that across, uh, but it still left the uh, the, the the problem of how can we take advantage of this rich ter- land and get get the grain to Atlantic ports and get it to European markets and and that was uh, the, the the goal of the of the American system and the first road that was built was called the National Road uh, across the Appalachians which uh, connected uh, Cumberland in Pennsylvania uh, to uh, what is now Wheeling, West Virginia. Uh, And now they were able to uh, pile their grain in bulk into carts and start transporting the grain uh, to the Atlantic coast. And now we became this great grain exporter, uh, greatest exporter in the world. It started the wealth just piled up. It was absolutely an amazing phenomenon, the American system and the growth of these roads. Uh, the problem was getting the federal government and the state feuding state governments uh, together, and that that's why Henry Clay uh, ran for uh, the presidency because he thought he could use uh, executive power in the White House uh, more than the power he had as a uh, Speaker of the House. Uh, it's questionable right. whether he he would have succeeded or not. Uh, you can it's a guessing game. Uh, you can always well, actually, you can always he does. pardon. He does succeed in one sense because if you look at Lincoln's presidency, what you talk about in the book, actually that is Henry Clay's presidency. Absolutely. And we can look at another example, a more modern example, of a very, very clever president. Uh, that was Dwight D. Eisenhower, uh, who wanted to finish Henry Clay's dream and connect all of the states with the superhighways, uh, what we now call the interstate highway system. Right. Well, well, the, 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 in Congress, they rose up and, and they were furious. No way. The federal government cannot get involved in highway building. There's no way. Uh, I came up with the perfect ploy. He said, this is a defense establishment. We need this for national defense. Our tanks can't get across if we're attacked in the Pacific. And we need this so our tanks and our artillery can defend this nation coast to coast. And he buffaloed Congress into uh, building uh, the the, the uh, interstate highway system, which was uh, ab- completely unconstitutional. <laughs> it, it certainly it was. was. Well, you know, I, but, could, I could talk to you but all. It, but it was brilliant. About... It was brilliant, and that's why that's why Ike was so great because he was he was a great compromiser. He knew how to compromise. He, he had to compromise as commander in chief during the Second World War. With all these different people like de Gaulle and Montgomery and all these different generals, each saying, uh, no, I want to do this, I want to do that. It takes a great, skilled uh, leader, an intelligent leader, a brilliant leader, to see how can he uh, find the common, uh, common ground for all these conflicting interests. How can he put them all together and get them to work together? And that's what compromise is all about, and that's what great leaders do. That's what Eisenhower did. That's what Lincoln did. That's what Washington did. 
All the great presidents. And, and you wonder if someone like a Paul Ryan can do that, given his history. We can only pray. <laughs> yeah. And it's ironic, too, that, you know, we're going to conclude this. But I got, I received your book the day that uh, Boehner resigned. Oh, really? Perfect day. <laughs> yeah, perfect day for that. Yeah, it's perfect day. But yeah. I could go on and talk to you about some stuff, about the government and all. But I just want to thank you so much. And if anyone wants to reach you, do you have a website or phone numbers, anything? Uh, yes, you can. Uh, it's uh, harlowunger.com. That's simple enough, and I just, you know, I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, what are you planning as far as your next book? Because you've written over a vast of no, so many books. Uh, this is my 24th book. My 25th is on Benjamin Rush, who was the only doctor uh, who signed oh. the Declaration of Independence and was the father of American medicine. Uh, wow. He was I look forward to reading great, that one, too. The first great humanitarian in this country. All right. Well, Harlow, thank you so much for being on today. and you know, Thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to the opportunity to have you back on again. Well, it's a, privilege. Oh, it's a privilege to be on your show. Thank you. All right. You take care, Harlow. And, again, that was Harlow Gills Unger, the author of the book, Henry Clay, America's Greatest Statesman on the uh, the Capitol Press. And, you know, I stick to my guns. We both stick to our guns there. Hope you enjoyed that portion of the Root and Root Show. And we're going to get to, because I talked longer than I thought with them, and I was, it was just a fast, I could go on on the whole show talking about this book and about the U.S. and all, and slavery, because as you know, if you listen to the show over the years, I get into that, but we're going to get into some music dedicated now to the late, great, legendary, the amazing Alan Toussaint. I'm going to do right now a couple of songs that he wrote and they were performed by Lee Dorsey. And I'm going to do right now Ride Your Pony. And after that, we're going to do Holy Cow. And then, let's see, that's another one we can do here. Um, I think we'll do those two right now. Just Ride Your Pony and Holy Cow with Lee Dorsey on the Root and Root Show.
Working in the coal mine 
mind About to slip down Working in the coal mine Going down, down, down Working in the coal mine About to slip down It's five o'clock in the morning I'm already up and gone Lord, I'm so tired About to sit down, working in the coal mine, going down, 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 working in the coal mine. There's a certain girl I've been in love with a long, long time. What's her name? Can't tell you. I can't reveal her name till I make up mine. What's her name? Can't tell you. I've tried time and time again. We end up as nothing but friends There's a certain girl I've been in love with A long, long time I can't tell you that.
now is the time for all good men to get together with one another. Find out their problems and find out their quarrels and try to live as brothers. And try to find peace within without stepping on one another. And do respect for the women of the world. Just remember we all had mothers. A better man with the kindness that you give. I know we can make it. I know darn well we can work it out.
from a whisper in the wind to a loud, loud scream. A message came that I'd lost you. All to the warmth of another woman. For heaven's sakes, babe, I'm begging you just don't leave me. More tears fall from your eyes than all the showers of April. I took kindness for granted as if it came with the wallpaper.
Hanging out 
Lee Dorsey again, Tears, Tears, and More Tears, Betty Harris, Mean Man, Ernie K. Doe, Here Come the Girls, and we started to set off an hour ago of Lee Dorsey. Yes, we can. I hope you enjoyed that set on the Root and Root Show. And I'm going to do some more music. we had a few more minutes. And this is uh, influenced by Alan Toussaint. Um, I'm going to play the Wild Magnolias and Smoke My Peace Pipe. So let's hear that on the Root and Root Show.
then that was a wild magnolias and down in New Orleans that was smoke my peace pipe, smoke it right. And that was influenced by Alan Toussaint. He may have written that. I, I have to double check that. But yeah, that was influenced by him. It's most of the music down in New Orleans and during the period from the 50s until now. In some way influenced by Alan Toussaint and also influenced by Professor Longhair, too. But I just want to thank everyone who listening this evening to the Root and Root Show. Hope you enjoyed the music as we did a musical tribute to the great, late, legendary Alan Toussaint. As well as earlier, we had an interview with a very spicy interview with our Carlo uh, Unger, author of the book Henry Clay, America's Greatest Statesman on the, the Capitol Press. I hope you enjoyed that interview. But I want to say again, this is Greg Rashid, the host of the Root and Root Show. And if you're interested in uh, suggesting topics or got any um, information or you want to be a part of the family here and join or you might want to advertise, you can go to uh, my Facebook site, Greg, G-R-E-G, last name Rashid, R-A-S-H-E-E-D. You can also go to the Twitter site, hashtag Unifix, U-N-I-F as in Frank, I-C-S as in Sam, that's hashtag Unifix, and go on the blogtalkradio.com site, and you can look at Root and Root Show and leave your messages, comments, anything there. You can go any social media as far as iTunes, anywhere, and just leave messages there. And also you can leave them at the, the great station out in Colorado, KUHS, Radio.com and leave messages there. But I just want to say this again. This is Greg Rasheed going love and going peace and be safe out there and hug someone. In these, in these turbulent times, it's very important just to bring a smile to someone's face. If there's someone in need, just to help them. Because sometimes people don't say anything and they really need help. So just to do something like that and just show your support to folks, show your love and just show that we're all part of this together, that we're all connected. So go in love, Pete. See you next time on the Root and Root Show. And just give a hug to somebody out there and just say that you care.